This is Backspin Golf with Matthew Lawrence. Your 803 Tea Time every Sunday morning right here on ESPN Sports Radio 1392.5. Backspin Golf is brought to you by Clark's Pump and Shop, Lexington Parks and Recreation, Edwin Watts Golf, and Georgetown Advantage Air. Let's join your host, Matthew Lawrence, for Backspin Golf. Good morning. Good morning. I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted from the NFL draft. No, I'm not. Anyway, I don't want to get into that. This is a golf show and a golf morning and what will be a golf day. Every day is a golf day. Welcome to Backspin Golf. 803 Tea Time here at the Square Country Club on Main Street in Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, this is uh, this is going to be a show that, well, every show that I do with Backspin means a lot to me. But when I have the kind of connection to one of my guests that I do with our first guest, it's a little bit uh, more in a lot of ways. And then... The two guests after, my brother Mitch Lawrence, Mitchie as I call him, and he's known by that name, uh, are also pretty incredible in their own right. Uh, my brother Mitchie will join us, and then Jason Bruno of Lynx Nation, and we'll talk about how he came to be on the show. And then finally, Ty Thompson, Tyler Thompson, uh, we are going to talk about something really amazing, the United States Blind Golf Association. And Tyler uh, will talk to us about the many things he's accomplished in the world of golf uh, with the USBGA, as we call it. But first up, uh, somebody that I shared a room with for 18 years. Can't say that about everybody, Sean, right? I don't think. Here's my brother, Mitchie. As I always say, I'm blessed to have great guests on this show. But there's no one that I am closer to than my next guest. And it's been that way for a very long time. Joining me now, my brother, Mitch Lawrence, better known as Mitchie, to... uh, his close circle of family and friends, I think. And I can't wait because I don't talk to him nearly enough. Hi, Mitchie. Hey, Math. Math is what. See, <laughs> nobody calls me Math except you and your incredible, my incredible sister-in-law, Ava. Well, they'll start calling you that now. So This is good. I'm going to start doing this on social media. I'm going to request that. Everyone call me math. It'll be good. Uh, how are you today down there I'm in doing great. South Carolina? I'm doing great. It's a beautiful kind of crisp morning for April in South Carolina, but I'm doing great. Ah, good. All right. Here's what I want to talk to you about, and we talk, obviously, about a myriad of things. Pretty proud of me for using that word, aren't you, Mitchie? I was going to say, that came out of nowhere. Yeah, well, I use it quite a bit in my regular life. I try to. (laughs) Uh, uh, Here's what I want to talk to you about. You have taken numerous golf trips 
uh, too many to count, you actually did a podcast, Talking Golf Getaways, where that was a tough thing for you to do. You had to travel all over and play golf, stay at these great places, play the best golf courses, and then do videos and talk about them. That's tough. How did I never yeah. asked you, how did you get through that? Wow. I don't know. I, I just, I'm a really tough, I'm a mentally tough oh boy. human, and uh, oh boy. somehow I made it through all those trips and 185 Talking Golf Getaways podcasts, and I'm here to talk about it and tell about it. Wait a minute, how many? Uh, with Darren, Talking Golf Getaways, we 185 podcasts. Holy cow. How? I, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't even know how you still have a voice. Actually, I don't either. Yeah, I don't either. That's an and just just a quick note because there's some really great ones. Uh, your listeners can still find it, even though we're not doing the podcast now. Yeah, uh, all 185 episodes are up on Ryan Ballinger's great Golf News Net Radio. Yes, which you can find at Golf News Net or iHeart Radio. Yeah. So if you scroll through literally everyone is on there starting the very last one we did all the way back to the first one and if you just scroll through um and you're into golf you'll see some of the most amazing guests that that were on that show it was great that's incredible mm-hmm. you know what else is really cool and ryan balangy has been a guest on my show met numerous sure. times yep backspin golf will very soon be a part of golf newsnet and isn't that exactly where it should be? Come on. Yeah, it should be. Although, yeah. I, I don't know about 185 of them. I'll have to really think about that. But this <laughs> is this is very cool. All right. I want to talk to you about a trip you just made uh, mm-hmm. to a couple of iconic golf courses in North Carolina and nobody, and I mean this, I know I'm biased, but nobody does this better than you, describing a golf trip and where you're playing, why it's important, the architects, all of that. But this story about the not only that, but the guys you played with and why we love golf the way we do. So the floor is yours if you're on the floor. Actually, I'm on a chair in my uh, home office. But okay, that's, well, that's the, ch- okay, can, the chair is yours. I can do it from here. Okay. Again, I said I'm mentally tough. Okay. Um, <laughs> there's, there's, there's a lot of reasons why this was a great trip uh, two weeks ago now to uh, Pinehurst. And um, the main one being that, as you know, uh, I went through about the last six months of some health issues, which pretty much prevented me from playing any golf. Right. Uh, I won't go into those, but as as we know, when you have something you love and it's kind of taken away and you can't do it, you become ever so much more grateful that you can at a certain point. Mm-hmm. And so this was the first kind of multi-day golf trip that I'd been able to take. That was the first big deal. Uh, and you also, and you and I have talked about social media and how even though there's a dark side to it and things we don't like, about how many people we've gotten to become friends with without ever having met them. Most um, of the people, in fact, especially in the golf world for me, but yes. Yeah, yep. Um, and so the three guys that I went to Pinehurst and shared three days there with all fell under that category. 
Um, Stephen Proctor, who I could spend an entire show talking about, uh, Stephen Proctor is an author. And I, for, the three people were Stephen Proctor, Tim Allpaw, and Jason Bruno. Okay. Um, and all three of them I met through social media originally. Uh, I had met and played off with Stephen uh, once before. We had a fantastic time. Stephen and Tim and I are all three Hickory players. Ah. Uh, and really love the history of the game. Jason is a modern-day equipment guy. Um, and so it was an interesting mix to have three Hickory guys and then Jason. Um, so Stephen um, got in touch with me and said he had somebody in his family had a house off the uh, 12th fairway at Piners Number no. Six mm. that we could have for three or four days. Mm. And was I interested? I said yes. <laughs> uh, I'm shortening this up. I'm shortening okay. this up because really, it's I'm, I, know I know you have a time limit. Um, so I said, yes, uh, we were originally supposed to have Matthew Wharton, who was the green, the head superintendent at Carolina golf club in Charlotte, a Donald Ross course, who is now in your fair city really? of Lexington at the head superintendent. Yes. And you, you're going to meet him and play with him because he's one of the great humans, uh, at idle hour. Wow. So anyway, uh, Matthew had to beg out because he wound up moving to Kentucky. And so I asked him and Jason, would they join us? And luckily for us, they said yes. So the four of us headed to Pinehurst to this amazing house right on the fairway of Pinehurst Number no. 6, which is a uh, an original Tom Fazio and his uncle George Fazio was built in the 1970s redone by Fazio in, I think, 2005 or so, but literally right off the fairway. Mm, mm. So it was a great a great spot. Um, we got to play uh, Southern Pines, which for your listeners who aren't familiar with North Carolina, Southern Pines is a one of the first original Donald Ross routings at Pinehurst. Um, and it went really unknown for years and years till very recently, because it was from, I think, about 1950, owned and operated by the Elks Club, if you can <laughs> believe that. And so yeah. it was not it was not in the best of shape. Uh, my good, great friend, who I'll talk about more in a second, Mark Stewart, who's the owner of Tobacco Road, yeah, uh, who I know you're familiar with, if your listeners aren't. Just go tobacco road and take a look at one of the great, wild, unbelievably adventurous courses you can play. Mm-hmm. So Mark Stewart, uh, who lives in Pinehurst, we were going to play. I was going to meet him in Pinehurst, and he said, have you ever played Southern Pines? And I said, uh, no, I didn't, I didn't even know about it. He said, okay, let's go. And I met him there, and it was really in disrepair. The clubhouse was what you would kind of expect. Uh, for an old course that hadn't been taken care of. The course itself was not in great shape. But Mark and I walked 18, and we were talking about what an unbelievably amazing golf course this was. So fast forward, and um, a couple of years, well, for 15 years, a guy named Kelly Miller, who is the head guy at Pine Needles and Mid Pines in Pinehurst, yeah. also done with Ross courses, uh, he's been interested in getting hold of it. And recently, a few years ago, actually got the deal through. So 
they, that company that runs Mid Pines and Pine Needles, they lease Southern Pines now, but they're going to be taking full ownership. They've redone a lot of the golf course, and uh, suffice to say, it's just an unbelievable place to play golf. It has more elevation change for the Pinehurst area than almost any course. Uh, cha- really challenging, tough, Donald Ross. But the four of us went out, uh, Stephen and um, Tim and I played hickories from the forward tees. Yeah. And Tim who, and Jason, who's a really good golfer, played from the back and bombed it with his modern clubs. Mm-hmm. And had a great time and laughed and just congratulated each other and was just thrilled to be out on a golf course with these three amazing guys. Um, I just want to throw in a quick note because if you, you know, listeners love golf, uh, Stephen, I mentioned, was an author. He wrote two books so far. Uh, the first one's called Monarch of the Green, which is about young Tom Morris. And the second one is called The Long Golden Afternoon, which is about all the golfers that followed young Tom Morris and uh, the change in golf, worldwide change in golf, based on those guys that followed him. And they're both spectacular books. He is mm. an unbelievable writer. So check Stephen Proctor. He's at, at S. Proctor Golf. That's P-R-O-C-T-O-R, Golf, on Twitter. Um, Tim Alpaw is on Instagram at Claret Dreamer. Uh-huh. And even if you even if you're not a Hickory player, Tim is a master craftsman. Uh he he's a carpenter by trade and and does restoration of mansions. But his love is Hickory golf and restoring Hickory clubs and making the greatest divot repair tools, uh green repair tools that you've ever I seen. Have one. So even if you, I have one yeah, you sent me one. Yeah, and even if you don't play Hickory Golf, if you're looking for cool things for you or a gift for somebody, mm-hmm. uh, at Claret Dreamer on Instagram. And Tim Tim and Stephen, the only way I can put this is, I said this to you when I told you about it. When we would sit in the house and just talk about golf, Tim and Stephen are both history freaks. Yeah. They, ha- they also have photographic memories. So they will quote, for example, Stephen is a Bernard Darwin, the great golf writer. Bernard Darwin's his idol. He can quote Bernard Darwin from myriad, there's that word ah, again, good job. Of, of, of books just from his head. He'll be sitting there and you'll say some comment and then he'll come back with a quote from Bernard Darwin, <laughs> just boom. <laughs> and Tim does the same thing about the history, players, all that stuff. Yeah. So for me, who has no memory, of anything but loves history. I said to you, it's like if you're a guitar, a good guitar player, but not great, and you love guitar players, and you got a chance to kind of hang out with Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. And kind of just play with Jimi Hendrix. That's what it was like sitting with these two guys talking golf. Anyway, and then Jason, like I said, he's uh, his handle is at Links Nation on Twitter, and okay. he's a fantastic follow, especially for most of your listeners who are into modern golf and courses and travel and mm-hmm. equipment. Uh, Jason's the guy. He's fantastic. And all three of them are, Matt, most importantly to me, amazing human beings. Yeah. Just amazing. Kind and generous and grateful and fun and all the things you want to do on a buddy trip. Well, anyway, quickly, I'll... Yeah. Uh, Say the, the next day we got to. I took them over to Tobacco Road, 
And um, Stephen and I played Tobacco Road because Tim and Jason got to play Piners Number 2. Ah. And so they had yeah. it, and they went over there and had a great time. But Tobacco Road, for your listeners anywhere, um, Tobacco Road is Mike Strand's course, 20 minutes outside of the village of Pinehurst, and it is, I can literally say, and you know I've played a lot of golf courses over yeah. my life, there is nothing playing Tobacco Road. I have never played a golf course like Tobacco Road. It is, the best way to describe it is, it's an adventure. From mm. the first tee shot till you hole out on 18, every single hole is an adventure. One, you literally forget the round. And my only suggestion would be, if you get to go visit Mark Stewart, and get to play Tobacco Road is try to go for a few days and play it multiple yeah. times. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I can't. All right. I'm going to have to meet you in Pinehurst. So. Well, yeah, it's stupid that that we haven't been there together. I know. I know. Um, but, again, if people just Google Tobacco Road and look at the pictures, mm-hmm. and you'll get a sense of what it's about. Yeah. You've played Caledonia down here with me. I did? Yes, you have. Oh, okay. <laughs> who, who, who am I talking to again? Oh, yeah. okay. Pretty memorable. Yeah. All those great golf courses run together in my head. You know, no, I know. Pinehurst number friend, two is like pebble to me. You know, you know how it is. Well, that's a little odd. Yeah, that is. Uh, especially for a guy who hosts a golf show. But yeah. we'll look okay. at it. Right. All right. Um, but Mike Strands, who did Tobacco Road, did Caledonian, True Blue, and Myrtle Beach. And yeah. That, you know, he did 10 golf courses before he passed away suddenly uh, when he was 51. And on those 10 golf courses, he was voted as one of the great, 10 greatest architects in the game. Incredible. By golf Incredible. 10 courses. Yeah. So. He's uh, somebody your listeners want to connect with if they can, and Tobacco Road's as good a place as any. Okay. Well, that's exactly what I was hoping from you, because as I said, nobody describes the brotherhood of golf and great golf Mm -hmm. courses better than you do. How's that? Is that what you wanted me to say? Yeah. yeah. Like I said, I was just incredibly grateful. Yeah. To be able, yep. and for those of us who play golf and love golf, this really is what it's about. This spending yep. time with people you want to be with outside, having a great time. And right. uh, I know you, your listeners, thanks to you, get to hear about a lot of it and fully get to do it themselves, too. Yep. So. All right. Well, uh, thanks for spending some time. I know you're incredibly busy. And uh, tell Louie I said hi. <laughs> Louie says hi, Uncle Bass. Okay. See you, Mitchie. <laughs> All right, man. I'll talk to you. All Love right. you. You Bye. too. Bye. Backspin Golf with Matthew Lawrence is brought to you by Gearheads of Nicholasville. Welcome back. Uh, this, as I always say, the opportunity to talk to people, meet new people because of golf and because of Backspin Golf is a great blessing in my life. Now, we just heard on this very show from my brother, Mitchie talking about this incredible golf trip he just took and the people he got to play with and met for the first time, also mostly through Twitter. Uh, Well, this is a very special show because now 
one of the gentlemen that my brother played with and met and got to know a lot more than he knew him previously is joining us now. He's Jason Bruno, and there, uh, I can't even begin to go through, as I usually do with new guests, everything that they do. I will start by saying he created something called Lynx Nation in 2009. You can follow it on Twitter, at Lynx Nation. And here's what his bio said. Hold on a minute, Jason. I'm going to tell you what your bio says on Twitter. All right, please Okay, do. yeah, because you probably don't remember. <laughs> Featuring the finest course designs and resorts, equipment and product reviews. You're on Instagram. You're a muni advocate and a turf lifer. Well, first of all, it's great to talk to you. We're doing a Zoom call here, so I get to look at you, too. Thanks for doing this, especially since since you already know my brother. Usually that will take me out of the equation because he always (laughs) – but you started Lynx Nation in 2009. Give give my listeners just a general idea – because it seems like that's a lot of stuff you got going on. Designs, resorts, equipment, all kinds of things. Right. Yeah, it's a lot going on. And I'm still in the turf industry. So I'm finishing up my career at a college in South Florida where I'm essentially the superintendent of grounds here at the college where we have a golf learning facility on our campus. So that's kind of where it all started for me. I... Um, was assigned to work at the 91, 92, 93 Honda Classic uh, chaperoning some turf students at the time. And that's sort of where the whole golf media thing really started to just, I, I think that's where it was born, even though I didn't realize it at the time. Right. Well, I was, bit. And be- just a turf guy. before, okay, explain to people may not listening, may not know what that means. I was a turf guy. Yeah. What does that mean? So it could mean any number of things. But in my case, um, I've been basically the director of grounds, what people would know as a superintendent right. at this college facility since I started here in 87 when Ronald Reagan was president. Wow. So, and, I'm, <laughs> and I'm actually still... I'm still holding on to this position while I'm doing Lynx Nation at the same time. Mm-hmm. So most people know me as the Lynx Nation guy, but that's just a portion of, of really what you know takes up most of my time. Right. And uh, as I said, this is an awful lot. That whole idea, as you said, about – is it mm-hmm. Kaiser? Is that is that where you are? No. I'm actually south of Kaiser. Oh, okay. I'm I'm in I'm in the Fort Lauderdale, the North Fort Lauderdale area. Okay. Uh, so you at a college called the college is called Atlantic Technical College. Okay, great. See, this is awesome, and I don't know if we've I spoke to you for a little while on the phone, but Mitchie and I didn't start playing golf until we were older. I wouldn't say old; we were older, and he started before me, but. Uh, I wish that, you know, looking back at it, we both went to a pretty good college. It would have been a lot more fun to go to something, a col- a university or a college that had golf as its main thing. You know, looking back right. at it, that would have been cool. Well, so I didn't start golf as a kid either. I grew up in, in New York like you guys right. did in right. Staten Island. Yep. Where golf was not really, wasn't really a hub of 
of golf. You know, we're 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 into the we're into the main you know sports: football, baseball, right. basketball. Right. And um, when I started here at the college, about three years later, we started construction on the golf learning center, which is was essentially built to teach other turf students how you know basically to get into the field and they can get certifications and right. so forth. And um, that was where the golf bug hit me where I had my own golf facility basically and I could spend all day out there hitting balls and just learn on my own. I was in my early twenties. Wow. And that's really where it all started. See that, that whole thing just makes me shake my SMDH as the kids say now, you know, because I was in the right place at the right time. Yes. Yes, you were, but you were supposed to be there because look at what's happened since then with you. Um, Oh, for sure. It's that part of it is amazing. Now, here's where I want to go with you now, and then we'll quickly jump back to a little bit a question I have about Lynx Nation also. But we just heard from my brother Mitchie, and I know I'm biased as I always say, but I don't think there's anybody that describes golf trips and people that he's met, and he's. He's just a, an in, a incredible storyteller about all these sure. things. Uh, and we just heard from him about this golf trip that he took to uh, Pinehurst, to Southern Pines and Tobacco Road. And after he got back, I talked to him, and all he could talk about, as he just did on the show, was about the guys mm. that he was with. And mm. you were one of those guys, and... I want, from your perspective, I want you to talk for a minute about this. And again, I he actually asked me, now that I think of it a long time ago, if I could go on this trip. And mm. I'm, uh, you don't know me that well. I'm incredibly important around here, right, Sean? Or, yeah, Sean says yes. <laughs> so I couldn't, I couldn't do it. But um, I want to hear in your words about this incredible trip mm. to Southern Pines and Tobacco Road and Pinehurst. Well, yeah, first of all, I'm inc- incredibly grateful to your brother for inviting me. <laughs> I know that I, 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 I'm pretty sure I was the stand-in for Matthew Wharton who couldn't make it, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> However you get is, there. <laughs> is, Matthew Wharton is about you know as great a person as you could ever want to meet out there. And so, and and Matthew Warden's a hickory guy, a very uh, well schooled and well skilled hickory guy, right? Like my so, brother Mitchie. What, and by the way, he's here in Lexington, Matthew. That's correct, right? And he is one of the finest superintendent turf guys we have in the United States. He's at Idaho, so right, right. And he was at um, Carolina Golf Club in Charlotte previously, yeah, where he and I met up about two years ago, and. I did a Q&A with him there, and he's just a fabulous human being. So I, I was really grateful to be there. So I was a little bit of, like, the third wheel in a four-man group, okay? <laughs> and, I, and I think from that perspective, I may have really gotten the best of the deal. Huh. Because here I am, I'm sort of the guy that's not playing the, you know, hickory clubs. I'm not playing the old uh classic game that they're playing right but yet but yet i'm in this i'm in this group here and so for me to tap into what steven and steven proctor right. and um and tim alpaw were all about 
their books, mm-hmm. Tim's work on, on basically restoring old hickory clubs and the history of the game was great for me because I'm around people that are playing modern equipment right. and I'm around the PGA Tour a lot. And so this was a nice little diversion for me to meet some people and to really just get into their world. They're already in that world. Right. I'm not in that world. So this was a whole nother flavor for me to get the taste. Yeah. I, I just absolutely, I ate it up. And what better setting than Pinehurst number two and, um, and Southern Pines. Right. Now your, your brother screwed up. He probably didn't tell you this, but he screwed up the itinerary because we were all supposed to play tobacco road together. Yeah. But Tim and I did not. Because he got the days wrong, so no, we didn't. had to split, split up on the second day, Yeah, and we played number two, and they played tobacco. Right? Yeah, well, of course he didn't tell me that, because he never does anything wrong. He, well, he's my older brother, as I always say, and... <laughs> You know, Four minutes, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. So, but Four I will, minutes. I will speak to him about this. But make sure that you get that in there, so that oh, I will. You know, Trust me. That. Trust me. As soon as we're through <laughs> with this call, I'll be calling him and giving him crap so, about it. The weather was fabulous. Um, the golf was a blast, and the company was even better than both of those things. Yeah. So you know. You know, it, it's funny because they're they're all playing hickories. They're all drinking scotch at night. I don't drink. Uh-huh. <laughs> so really the one in this group, which was really, for me, is always a blast to be that guy. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I get to kind of see it through a whole other lens, you know. Right. And um, it, I would do it again in a heartbeat. It was an absolute, it was a quickie, which sometimes those golf trips are the best. Right, right. You're in, you're out. Nobody gets on anybody's nerves. Everybody's so yeah. happy to see each other. Yeah. Before you know it, you're leaving, and you can't wait for the next one. Yeah. You know, the, and we talk about this a lot, but that is among the many, many things about the game of golf that we all love. This may be the most important part of it is the social part of it, where there's no other sport that we can right. play, number one, as we get older, but number two, where you can just go and be outside and be on a golf course and then be together at night and swap stories and really get to know somebody. And right. not only is it the game, but it's the best part of social media, which we all know can be horrifying. Yeah. But sure. you, Mitchell, I think he told me that you you had actually met before because you invited him to play somewhere and he in Charleston I think and he drove there played yep. and drove back but yes this whole thing happened because of Twitter we played Char- I invited him to play Charleston Muni with me and uh we spent the day together had an out just found out just how much we had in common and then how much we didn't have in common mm-hmm. and we just we just had the most fabulous day together. Yeah. And it was, you know, almost one of those things where you're sad. You're not having dinner with the person and, you know, making it go, making the day last longer. Right. He had to go. I had to go. And it was like, all right, we're definitely going to do this again somewhere. I don't know when, but it's going to happen. And that's how, you know, that's a lot of these things start. Right. Right. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing before I let you go. And we mentioned it for, 
we're going to have to do a, a big trip, a whole mm. bunch of us, because I've never met Stephen or Tim. Now I, we've met in the social media right. kind of context, but that's right. Mitchell and my goal is to get a, a bigger group of people, not big, but just a group yeah. of us for sure. three or four days again and and go somewhere and hang out and play. I know that uh, when Mitchell says things to me about other guys like you and Steve and Tim, it really hits me hard because I know how much it means to him. So I can't thank yeah. you enough for jumping on with me today. I know how busy you are. And I'll be talking to you again soon for Backspin and other things, but because there, I still have a lot of questions I want to ask you about things that, right well i'm off the, i'm off the pebble beach tomorrow morning oh that's so you, right oh yeah oh that's right if you want to hit me up when i get back we can definitely talk about the uh oh the u.s women's open that'll be played there in july i'm going out there for media today so right. yes we will forward to that. i'll just tell you when i was in la for 20 years i another blessing of the many i played pebble a ton i used to drive up there one of my best friends was the head pro at Spanish Bay. So a friend of mine, another actor, Andrew, we would get in the car and drive up and we'd play Spanish Bay in the morning and then we'd go over to Pebble in the afternoon. And then, So when you say you're going out there to Pebble, it really means something to me. And, and that's quite a drive because I drove from Santa <laughs> Ana in 2019 yeah. up to Pasa Tiempo in Santa Cruz. Yeah. And I had no idea what the what the rest of California was like as I drove up there. Yeah, it's that, it's a little that different. Is something. Yeah, it is. There's a little twilight zone in between those two places. Yeah, yeah, a little. All right, uh, have a great time at Pebble. It's great just talking to you, even for a few minutes, Thanks. and we'll we'll talk again. Thanks so much, Jason. Enjoyed it, Matthew. Okay, See talk ya. to you soon. Okay. All right, bye. Backspin Golf with Matthew Lawrence is brought to you by Truly Nolan and Critter Control. Welcome back. Uh, As I always say here on Backspin Golf, every time, every guest that I have and have been lucky enough to have in the, I think, seven years now I've been doing this show, means a great deal to me. Uh, And they're, they're about golf in a myriad of ways. This guy and this subject hits me really hard because it shows a a side of golf that most people don't think about, but that is so important. Uh, We are now going to be joined by Tyler Thompson, who I call Ty. You know, I don't have to call him Tyler. I'll call him Ty. Uh, who is going to talk to us about the USBGA, and that is the United States Blind Golf Association. Uh, and I can't wait to speak with him. So let's start. Hi, Ty. Hey, Matthew. Great to be here. Thank you for, for joining me today. You and I had, uh, before we did this, uh, had a, a great little talk on the phone about this. And I want to start with... You explaining to people, uh, most people that are involved with golf have heard or know about uh, blind golfers and golfers that are vision impaired and 
being able to play. And a lot of people go, wait a minute, how do they do that? Uh, I want you to explain to people the, the USBGA and how you go about doing what you do. Be glad to. Well, first off, the USBGA has been around for over 50 years. And the whole idea behind it is our motto. You don't have to see it to tee it. And How we all cool. feverishly so cool. believe that. <laughs> <laughs> that is so cool. But anyway, we, uh, we greatly enjoy golf. There are three site categories for blind competitive golf. The B1, who is a person that is totally uh, without light entering their eyes. Okay. A B2, which is what I am. Uh, I cannot even count fingers at the end of my hand. But uh, our vision is between totally dark and the best corrected vision is 2,600 in each eye. Hmm. And a B3, who is between 2,600 and 2,200. So they're one totally dark and two vision-impaired categories. Right. And the way we do it is we worked with the USGA a long time ago to create three rules modifications for those type of golfers. We play by the same rules as the USGA and the Royal and Ancient Club, except for these three additions. The first being we're allowed a coach besides a caddy. And the coach can do all the things a caddy cannot do. The coach can discuss strategy. They can describe the hole, how to play the hole, because mm. most of us can't see the fairway or the green or the flag. Right. The second rule of thumb is they can stand behind us for any stroke of play. So that being that we can't see the flight of the ball, it's all muscle memory. So they need to describe, okay, you started on the line we set up, and it looks like it's fading five yards, now 10. Mm. You'll still be in the fairway, but on the right side. Mm. We can replay the muscles in our mind to actually understand, well, I know what I did. Didn't have the right hand closed. But I'll remember that if I need a 20-yard fade on another shot. (laughs) And the last rule is we're allowed to ground our club at a hazard because without depth perception, we have no idea. Let's say we're in a bunker and there's no way we could prepare to make that shot. So many times our coaches will get in the bunker with us, set the club in the sand behind the ball, hold it while we adjust our hands. They describe the distance of the shot we need to make and how the ball is either above or below our feet, and describe it, mm-hmm. and then we swing. The, this whole thing is so fascinating to me, and I'm sure you've heard this many times. Those of us that are lucky enough to have our sight, this game is sometimes impossibly hard for us. And listening to you describe just that part that you did all of us should go – they should get the same sense I just got listening to you. And I was picturing in my head what you were talking about while you were doing it. Um, who Does the coach or the caddy line you up initially? The coach does. The coach does. Because in our, our competitions, most of the time we can't afford to fly – three of us to a particular tournament. So we'll fly two of us, the player and the coach. Okay. 
Now, you bring something up. We talked about, and this is the part that, aside from how much respect and admiration I have for you and for all everybody that plays under the USBGA rules and umbrella, it's the work that you do with kids. Uh, this means a great deal to me. Uh, a lot of what I try to do with Backspin and our local great Play Golf Lexington courses and the people that we know has to do with kids and teaching them about golf and not for the golf. We talked about this. Can you talk to my listeners a little bit about uh, that and what we talked about the other day? I would love to because the children's events that we put on are my favorite thing about yeah. it because our kids that are visually impaired or totally blind, both in Kentucky and nationwide, mm-hmm. are numerous. People don't understand how many there are. Right. And surprisingly, the people that love them the most are the ones that hold them back, like uh, their parents or mm-hmm. Family members say, oh, don't worry about that. That's too hard. I'll do it for you. Well, I've held four blind and visually impaired children's clinics here in Lexington for the School for the Blind for Kentucky, as well as local visually impaired students. And I use it as a teaching tool. It has nothing to do with golf. Right. It has the everything to do with getting them out of their environment and putting them in a position to try something they never thought possible, hitting a small little ball that they cannot see. Boy. With the concept being a life lesson. I want them to think that when they came here, they like had, how am I possibly going to do anything about this? I, I can't see it. It, it's, it can't be done. Mm-hmm. And then by the end of their departure, they're a believer that not only can I do it, but I can do it better each time I try more. Mm. And I give them each a plaque that is good for whether they're totally blind or visually impaired. And I have their teachers write letters to me. The children write Braille letters to me and thank me over and over about teaching them that they can accomplish something in their life. It had nothing to do with what they thought their capabilities were. Mm. And now they expand their capabilities and say, hey, all I had to do was try. And I found out I could do it. Yeah. And that's where that's the goal. That's where the life lesson comes in, because once they can do it with this, there are other things that maybe they thought they couldn't do. And then they can go, well, wait a second. If I could do that, I'm going to try this now. I mean, it's exactly a, the whole concept of it is incredible. That is the lesson is yeah. to, for them to think throughout their life. Hey, I don't know if I can do that. Then go, wait a minute. I actually tried golf when I didn't think I could yeah. and was successful. <laughs> and here's the thing. And I, I alluded to this before those of us that play, when you just said that, how, you know, they're trying to hit a little white ball on the ground that they can't see. Those of us that can see that little white ball on the ground have a tremendous amount of trouble hitting that little white ball. And so as I sit here and listen to you, this is how we should all be. 
with everything. These are life lessons for us as well, Ty. I'm telling you, it's a life lesson for me, and it's happened before when I told you I have a, not a great deal of experience with this, but a couple of friends of mine who I know who are visually impaired golfers, they're not totally blind, but we, this is life lesson, one of the many from golf that we all can learn from, no matter what we're trying to do. Well, I could never do that. Well, wait a minute. May, try. Maybe you can. It's incredible. And that's the great thing about it is every child feels success when they do this. And right. That's one of our primary missions is every time we have a competitive tournament, we try to have a children's clinic. Right. Again, with either a local or a statewide uh, vision impaired or blind school mm-hmm. and invite all the kids. And I like to say that once they have that sem- sense of accomplishment, that I can hear them smile. Their oh. grins are from ear to ear. Okay, that got me. Sean is making a face. I'm a sap. Things like that really get me. Um, wh- around here in central Kentucky, and we have listeners all over, all over the world, actually, but here in central Kentucky, what's the, what's the next event you're going to participate in or is there another clinic that you'll be doing around here that people should know about? Well, great question. Uh, currently, I don't have anything scheduled for children's clinic. Uh, I do play in tournaments around the U.S. Mm-hmm. My next uh, participating one will either be in Oklahoma or Colorado. And then I'll be playing in the Guiding Eyes tournament in New York City. Wow. Uh, and then finally, the national championship down in Jacksonville. And in between, I'll be playing some international golf in Canada, both in the Canadian Blind Open and the Nova Scotia um, tournament as well. Incredible. Just incredible. All right. Uh, I can't thank you enough for joining us. This has been one of my favorite segments that I've done. It's just I I really, uh, Sean knows, I'm not speechless usually, but this really, really does something to me. And uh, what a wonderful, wonderful person you are. I'll just say that. Um, And I hope you'll let us get back in touch with you soon and get updates on how you're doing and, uh, you know, bring some trophies home, will you? So we can... I've been successful in the past. I've won four national championships in my B2 division. Uh, You can go look up uh, a lot of the information about how to be a coach, Mm -hmm. how to volunteer, Mm -hmm. or even how to host a children's vision impaired or blind clinic. It's all on usblindgolf.com. Okay. Thanks a million, Ty. I will talk to you you very soon. It's been a super pleasure. Okay. All right. That'll do it. Boy, I'll tell you that. The whole thing with Ty Thompson uh, is just, it's amazing to me and so wonderful. That's the USBGA, United States Blind Golf Association. Incredible. Uh, As were my brother Mitchie and Jason Bruno. I love this show. I love every show, but this one, this was particularly great. Uh, All right. We'll be back next week another edition of Backspin Golf. 
Thank you to those three gentlemen, and thank you to my partners. As I always say, we could not do this show without them. Commonwealth Credit Union, Edwin Watts Golf, Georgetown Advantage Air, Critter Control, Truly Nolan, French Lick Resort, that's right, Lexington Parks and Rec, of course, for our five great golf courses, and Maple Leaf Roofing Systems, Wowing Central Kentucky, one roof at a time. Have a great rest of your day, and we'll be back next Sunday at 8.03 a.m., as we always are. Thanks, Sean. This is ESPN 92.5 and 1300 a.m. Backspin Golf with Matthew Lawrence is brought to you by Lexington Parks and Recreation.